Hello and welcome to Weather in the Storm, stories of the climate crisis from Alberta and around the world. This series is part of the Community Podcast Initiative in partnership with the Climate Disaster Project. Welcome everyone to Weather in the Storm, stories of climate crisis podcast. I am your host, Fatima Nye. And I am Ryan McMillan. In today's episode, we are speaking with survivors of floods. Even though their stories are from different decades and places, we can still learn a lot from them. Climate change has been drastically reshaping our planet for decades. With each new story, our awareness of climate change grows and informs our attitudes. Zainab Nye, who is my mother, was in Liberia in 1996 while pregnant with her first child, which is my older sister. When rainy season swept through Liberia in the county of Plummy Hill, she had to know how to navigate that while pregnant. And this is my interview with my mother. Hello, everyone. Today, I have a very exciting interview with none other than my mother. Can you introduce yourself? Hello, um, my name is Zainab Nyai. Um, Can you please spell it, your first name and your last name for me? And my first name is um, Z-A-I-N-A-B. Last name, N-Y-E-I. Can you tell me more about who you were growing up? When I was growing up, my mom and my dad, we were family. Family, right? Yeah, farmers. Uh-huh. We fam- my, my mom and dad, they are farmers. They were farmers. Mm-hmm. And we used to go on the farm and um, plant rice oh. and beans, rice, okra, and what the thing is, how they call it, pepper, everything. Could you tell me more about what you were doing before the, the rainy season? Farming. Just farming? Oh, just farming, yeah. Um, Could you tell me about the people you were living with at the time? Um, before, before, um, and I wasn't living with my parents, but I just took those people to be my parents. It was hard, but I made it. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were very, very hard living with people that they are not your parents, but that's how um, life goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it was, I, I experienced a lot of things there mm-hmm. during the reading season. And when I was growing up, we, we, when, the, when, this, when the, um, the rain is falling, we at least take off all our clothes under the rain, taking shower, getting water from the rain, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. Can you tell me about the people that you often took care of when you were when you were there when the rainy season came? Uh, the people I was living with, like let's say my mom and my dad. Mhm. Yes. So those are the people you were taking care of at the time? Yes. So who took care of you at the time? When I was growing up? Yeah, at the time, like rainy season. When growing up in the rainy season. Yeah, in the rainy season, I I said I was living with, with I was not living with my my mom and dad yeah, when I was yeah. growing up. Yeah. But then later on, I I came to my mom and my dad. Yeah. So when it's rainy season, my mom and my dad take care of me. Mm-hmm. Or when I was young, living with those people, mm-hmm. rainy season they take care of me. Can you tell me how how you came to be in Bummy Hill at the time of the rainy season? Like, how did you get to Bummy Hill? Because that's my place. How did you how did you go to like how did you come to Bummy Hill? Who who dropped you there? Since you were young at the time, right? 
I was young at the time, mm-hmm. but the Sultan, mm. they just called the area Bomi. Bomi, yeah. They called it the area Bomi, but they have the city that they call Bomi Hill. Mm. But we were not in the city, Bomi Hill. We were on the, like, the highway. Mm. Like, they have, um, like, here they have Kaigui, they have Brooks, yeah. you know, so they have the town. Mm-hmm. Yes, so we were living in one town they call Gui Town. Mm. Yes. The uh, the people I was living with, the, the lady, she is coming from Gui uh, Town. Mm-hmm. That's her town. But for my own town, yeah. my my town where my uh, my mother, my father lived before, is Biekende. Yeah. Yeah, Biekende. So, um, after oh, I was living with this with these people when I grew up, thirteen years old, and I came back to my to, your parents, to yeah. my parents here. Yeah. So, so all the other time I was living with my parents until mm-hmm. until um until they walk in. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell me about what the community was like before like rainy season? How how was how was how did it look? Ah, uh, good. It's look it look good. Mm-hmm. We're doing the rainy season. Mm. Especially during the winter season is it's kinda very nasty. <laughs> very, very nasty, I'm telling what? you. Okay, mm. just describe it. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> like very, very disgusting when 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 it, when it's really season in in Liberia. Mm-hmm. And when you come in the city mm. because I live in the city mm. and Morovia, mm. Mosorado. Mm. Ah. The house I was living in, the room, the crab crab. 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 Yeah. We catch the crab from the from the room. <laughs> we catch the crab from the from the room. Because when it rain the water enter the room mm. and then the crab enter the room. Mm. You know it have the crab uh, and tick 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 mm. and make uh, a way to enter the to enter the room. And when it rain we have the opportunity to eat crab. Mm. And when you get outside what I'm saying, I'm not lying, I'm saying the truth. And you will see the the poop over the water coming mm-hmm. in the in the how do you call it? Piazza? How do you call it? The living room. The living like 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 it's like living room mm-hmm. where we cook everything. Mm-hmm. You can see the the poop over the water like that. Until when 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 the rain is and when the rain don't fall in, mm-hmm. then the water go down. Yeah. When it go down, mm-hmm. then we sweep. We waste water. We mm. clean up everything. Mm. Very nasty. Mm. Very nasty. Okay. Can you can you describe how you became aware of the rainy season? I live there. Mm-hmm. So when it rain, I know that it's raining. Yeah. Yeah. Like like Kagwe here or Kanala. Mm-hmm. So when it snow, I know that it's snowing. So, I that's how I know about the rain. Yeah. When it rain, they say it's raining. It's raining. You go over here, so you know that when it's raining, you know that it's raining. Yeah. Yeah. Can you describe what uh, what you remember happening to you during the rainy season? Hunger. During the rainy season, there's no food. During the rainy season in Liberia, mm. to get cassava, cassava is very, very difficult. You will walk this thing mm-hmm. before you get cassava. Mm-hmm. Yes. Rice. And the people who sell the rice, the, the cup, the measurement cup, mm. they cut it. They cut the measurement cup. And when mm. you go by the, the rest, mm. they flip it around like this. They, they flip it around somehow. They will flip it around somehow. They take the, the, the back of the, the measurement cup. Mm. 
they, they, they put it in the bag so that when you so that they can get profit you lose okay. yeah you'll be you, when you go and why you think that the rest you think that you you, you have gotten it's not it's nothing, it's nothing yeah. yeah so that's 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 how um i i that's how i i live most of my life mm. it's very difficult yeah yes so can you describe any sights sounds and smells that you remember like what did you see what did you smell what do you remember from when we really season really season mm-hmm. I, I just said really season very very nasty <laughs> okay it is disgusting really season yes mm. when it's raining i don't want to put my leg outside mm-hmm. because um you see a lot of stuff you mm-hmm. know a lot of stuff you see diapers you see cloth you know mm, yeah yeah all, all of that when it's really i don't want to see that yeah could you describe what you remember happening after after winning season after winning season mm. yeah everywhere is clean mm. they sweep everything yeah and everywhere is is clean but some 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 parts when you go there they have the the dump site you know mm, the dumper, yeah. yeah they don't they call dumper africa they call dumper so that dumper mm. if you go there or sometimes when it rain, then um, the 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 rain, the water will take, you know, the the garbage from mm. that dumper, mm. and then, you know, spray around. Ah, okay. Yes. So when the rain is done, so they have to clean up everything. They have to clean off everything. Mm. Yes. What what effect did the rainy season have on you? Yeah, I, I feel cold and I feel hungry. Mm. Right, because if you have food, sometimes, uh, the place is cold. Mm-hmm. There's no. Uh, you don't have the, the coal the coal part to put the coal inside and put the fire. Mm. So it's cold, right? Okay. Very cold, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Can you describe what happened to, to people like how they were affected? The people in the community, how they were affected. Uh, some yeah, some people um. Some people was there, I can remember. Um, the the same thing are happening in our place. When you rain, the water enter the house. Mm. Same thing. So when you rain, you see people uh, uh, like shovel. They take bucket, you know, mm-hmm. shoveling their 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 room, getting yeah. the water out, getting the water out until the rain stop. Okay. That a lot of people, yeah. Can you describe the effect the the rainy season had on the community? It, it's it's almost the same because there's hunger and cold. And everybody, yeah, everybody just uh, and shoveling their place yeah. like the, the how they how they call this thing the, like the foundation foundation mm-hmm. the foundation were now built the oh, well yeah, yeah properly yeah so when you rain, um the and the 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 crop mm. they will dig 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 and enter the. They mm. enter the room. Yeah. Yeah. And they will put all the same outside, you know? Mm-hmm. The same, yeah. Yeah. So. Can you describe the help you received during during rainy season? Did you get any help whatsoever? Government-wise? Uh, no. For me, I don't see. I don't see government help me with rainy season. Struggle by, my, by myself. So everyone in the community basically struggled? Yeah, by themselves, yeah. Okay. Some of them go and, and say they are market. They come back, mm. you know. Can you can you talk about the help you would have wanted during rainy season? Uh I would I would like uh, to be a you know a warm place like 
no water, nothing, mm-hmm. you know, dry place. Because, like, okay, this is my bed. Mm-hmm. This is my bed. For example, my bed is here, and I'm sitting up on the bed like this. The water yeah. is down, you mm-hmm. know. When I put my leg, I put my leg in the in the river, like it's the river, mm-hmm. right? So, and I, anyway, that's uh, I if I at the time if I could have um a dry place, dry very dry place, warm, clean. It was yeah. it was clean, but when it rain, everything get messed up. Yeah. So you have to clean up yourself, sweep sweep, wipe everything, all the the dead like him. In with the with the with the water, mm-hmm. you have to clean everything. So it was basically just you, just you and the, you and the people you're living with that were helping yourself, you know. Yes. So it was just you guys were just helping each other. Yes. And the community too, right? Yes. People, you people help. Okay. Everybody. Yeah. yeah okay. But to say there was rainy season, ever mm-hmm. like you go back, you let's say you go back to Liberia now, right? Mm-hmm. And it was rainy season again. What what would you what would you want? I would want my place to be to be a uh, clean. If I'm renting. Mm-hmm. Because the house we were in, it was not our own house. We were renting mm. in a house. If we are renting in a house, at least let the house be a, a good house. Okay. Let well, it have structure and yeah, everything, everything, foundation? Yeah, okay. everything. Good, very big, nice, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the time, for people to afford, like, how they call the thing, hostel building. Yeah. Like, hostel building is good because when you are there, it's raining. You don't even know that it's raining. Yeah. But if you have the... Just a house, just build a house, and then make rooms. People don't build it good sometimes, mm-hmm. or sometimes it's very, very old, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And then I go back there, I want to be in a good house. Okay. Looking back on uh, rainy season now, how do mm. you feel about it? Now where? How do you feel about the rainy season? In Liberia? Yeah. Yeah, I worry about the people there because rainy season is like, my family, they are there now, but they, they complain a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they complain a lot. So. Yeah. Also, how did you how did you deal with the rainy season, and with the, and the war and everything? How how did that affect everything? In the war. Yeah. Um. For the war, when we were when we were running from the war, and sometimes when we are walking because there's no car. Yeah. You take the the road or the bush the bush road. Mhm. And sometimes when you are walking, the rain come. Your your luggage you have everything get wet. Everybody wet. And you continue on going until the rain stop. Continue on going until the, the the sun will shine. You get dry. Yeah. And you keep going until sometimes you go somewhere, reach, reach, and uh, somewhere if that town, little town, you sleep there. Next day you continue. Mm. Like that. And then during the rainy season, you were you're pregnant with with Miriam at the time, right? Uh yes, that was um. Yes. Nineteen nineteen ninety six. Nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. 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 And how was that being pregnant? The rainy season, the war. Um, it was difficult. It was hard. Yeah. Yes. Um, I left from the, from from the city, and I went to the display. They have display camp. Mm-hmm. My mom and my dad was living there, so I went there. I spent some time there. Mm. I was there. Um, I was there for some time. Yeah. Yeah. So the reading season and catch meet me there in a display camp. I was there. It was not. It was the the reading season in during the war and in the display camp. 
it was like the the how they call the thing the tour that the people built for us mm. for the displays. You pray to God, none of your family to go there. None of your family should even enter in a tour, in a in a in a how they call it in a tour, right? Mm. No, no, yeah, they, they, yeah, they just build it like that, like a house, right? Mm. And then they made room there. So when you enter in our in our in our room, oh, so the use, squat one, the mm-hmm. one you still yeah, order, you just sit down on like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. And they heat it alone. We give you cocoa. <laughs> uh, because some. Some of this story, when you enter there, you, you can't stand. Mm-hmm. Fly, say, yeah, me. Fly. Oh, fly. Fly, say, yeah, me. Oh. <laughs> fly, upon fly, upon fly, upon fly. You can't stand. You have to enter the other one and see. The one that a little bit better, that the smell is not too strong, you use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or sometimes the people will come, they say they are sanitation. Sanitation. Mm. They come, they will sanitize the place, sanitize, wash for one or two days. They said this place. If you go in me, you see the place is this place. Every everything is this this matter, this place again. And, and poop is everywhere. Poop ev- everywhere. So during the winning season, you know, we shouldn't go back into our life again. I mean. Yeah. What brings you hope for the future? What brings me hope? Mm, what brings you hope for the future? Ah uh, yes, because um I see like um during the winning season or any time mm. I see like some people, I was thinking that okay, I'm 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 suffering so bad. Yeah. But when I see other people, I I I say oh you know I I be happy for myself. So that make me happy, give me hope that oh and and better this ahead. Mhm. Mhm. So that's that's what gives me hope because sometimes I see myself. I have something to eat. Other people don't have. Yeah. Right, so. Okay. But I was asking, I want to, like, specifically, what brings you hope right now for the future? Now what brought you hope? What brings you hope for the future right now? Oh, right now? Yeah. Ah. I'm alive, so bring me hope. And I have, uh, what? I'm alive. Mm-hmm. So it, be, it gave me hope to to live, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I'm here. I don't have everything that I need, mm-hmm. but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Right, so, and my kids are here. They are going to school. No problem. So, that gave me hope. Well, thank you so much, Ma. That was my interview for the Climate Disaster Relief Project. And thank you. I'll see you guys later. That was the end of Nye, speaking on her experience of surviving a flood. This interview taught me a lot from her perspective. It really shows me just how strong and resilient my mother was and still is. In our next interview, I sat down with Tom McFadden, a retired Calgary firefighter who volunteers as the Ghost Valley Fire Chief. Hearing Tom's story of the 2013 flood highlights how a small community was affected when the burn protecting their community gave way. A number of extreme events culminated to bring the perfect storm to the region. The results of these events were a flood like nothing we had ever seen before and really opened the eyes of many Albertans to the effect of climate change. And now, here's my conversation with Tom McFadden.
Uh, could you tell me about uh, your career if you were retired at that point and what you were doing? Um, yeah, I'd been retired for four years at that point, almost exactly, because I retired in uh, June of 2009. Um, and we were living here at the time. Um, and I'm still active with the local volunteer fire department. So um, we were home uh, the day, of, you know, I mean, we'd had a couple of days of steady, solid rain. And, you know, that was a pretty significant event at the time. But, uh, yeah, we were here, um, luckily, because uh, we managed to save a lot of things and deal with stuff uh, as, uh, as the flood, just prior to the flood and as it was occurring and then in the aftermath. So was fortunate that I was able to be here at that time. And um, was there anybody or any need that you felt uh, for you to be taken care of at the time of the flood or anybody to take care of you or help you during the time? Um, no, that wasn't my mindset at the time. Um, we did get some uh, assistance from people um, to help move vehicles and our travel trailer out of the uh, out of the flood zone and up to a safe area at the top of the hill. Um, my main concern was mostly for my neighbors at the time, and that probably comes from being the local um, district chief for this area with the fire department. It was uh, that's where my mindset went: helping people evacuate or telling people when it was time to actually get out as the river started to breach the dike that goes around the community itself. Okay. Um, now each person has different memories of these types of disasters. And that's why I'd like to ask you a few of these questions. Could you describe how you became aware that uh, there was a situation that was going to turn into kind of a, how do you describe it, a crisis or that it was a growing concern? Well, I think we were aware because there'd been a lot of, uh, there had been a lot of rain and they were describing it as a, um, kind of a, it, an unusual weather event with a um, heavy front that had moved up out of the U.S. and stalled kind of in the mountains to the west of Calgary, obviously, because it was affected right from High River up. I think we were probably the furthest north edge of the weather event. So for the days leading up to it, the two days leading up to the event, um, we had been aware of what was going on and there'd already started to be some flooding in the high river area and that of course was what had made the news um and again being involved with the local emergency services we were kind of kept in the loop by alberta environment like through our municipal district office um and so they would pass on information to me uh we'd been watching the river rise here you know from a uh, not it's not a big river it's you know a it's somewhere between a, a big creek and a little river. Um, but there's a fair span to the width of the valley. And the, the community was protected by a smaller, uh, I call it a berm. It's like a levee or a dike around uh, in case of rising water to keep it out of the community. And we'd been watching the water rise. And it went from being this fairly small water course going through the middle of the area to starting to fill the fill the uh, valley kind of 
full width and and ro- you know a lot of lot of water. Um, I don't know. They measured in CFM, and it was some phenomenal amount of, you know, if a normal flow was 100 CFM, I think we went well over 10,000 CFM, which is cubic feet per meter, which is enormously significant. Um, so we've been keeping an eye on it. When we went to bed the, <clears throat> the night prior to the, the flood and the breach of the of the dike around the community, it was up and... I, I wouldn't even want to guesstimate what the width of the valley was, the depth of the water, but we were we were pretty close to the top of, of the dike. Um, and the, the the morning of the day of the actual flood, um, our phone rang about 6 in the morning, and it was my next-door neighbor. And she lives where she can see down the road um, towards the river, and she phoned and said, that she could see white caps um, over the top of the uh, over the top of the dike, and I was a little skeptical at the time because I'd looked at it at eleven o'clock that night, and we still had you know another three feet or so of freeboard. I'll call it on between the top of the water and the top of the dike. So I got dressed and went down, and sure enough, <clears throat> the water was level with the top of the dike, and yep, she could see white caps from her living room. So at that time, we started to um, realize, and it was still raining, you know, then the realization set in that we were in, in a significant um, danger um, because I walked the length of the dike. It goes around the community. It's probably uh, 800, probably a, a kilometer from from one end to the other in this arc that protects the, the structures in this on this level, down at the river level. And um, I could see where well, there was actually water starting to come in, um, infiltrate through the substructure of the dike itself, which um, in in itself is a significant significant event. Um, it it's the beginnings. If if something's not done or the water doesn't go down, um, you're going to get an undercutting, which which is actually what happened. But um, so at that point, you know, I came home and, and discussed it with Elaine and, and you know, prepare to, prepare to evacuate, get our vehicles out of here. And I hooked my travel trailer up and took it up to the top of the hill and parked it in my daughter's yard. Um, and, you know, uh, a minimal amount of, uh, of stuff that we could, we could get out of, out of here that was um, critical to us. Um, and just kept an eye on it that morning. And um, I think it was around 9 o'clock. I was walking the dike with um, a friend of mine, a neighbor, who was the, uh, the counselor on the, uh, for, on the municipal district council for this area. And we were standing on the upstream end of it when um, we realized that the whole structure, the whole structure of the dike was starting to vibrate and it was starting to kind of liquefy under our feet. So at that time, we didn't wait for, we didn't wait for the government to tell us anything. We, I basically, we went, banged on all the neighbor's doors and said, get out and get out, get out now. And most of them heeded what we said, 
because I knew it was going to happen. And uh, within within an hour, it had breached, and we had we had water flowing through the entire community. Community. Are there any, I mean, you've described a whole lot there. Were there any sights or sounds or smells or anything just that comes to memory right now as far as uh, that whole event? Um, I, I think probably just the sight of the water um, filling the valley. We, like I said, we've been here since 1974, um, and we'd never seen that much water, ever, 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 um, which, you know, is... Maybe that's what that's hopefully why they call it a one in 100 year event. Um, so just the sight of that. And it was, I mean, there was trees, huge, huge trees and debris going by and, and the speed of the water. You'd see a, you'd see a 40, 50, 60 foot tree going by like a, like a motorboat going downstream. And it was, I mean, it was, it was basically... You knew it was water, but it almost looked like just dirt. It was so, there was so much silt and so much debris in it. When that dike did breach, what was, what was the, what was the, were you down here when that happened? And if so, what, 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 what was it like? Um, yeah, we were still down here. Um, I still had, uh, the majority of the neighbors had, had evacuated, but of course, you know, it was, um, there were still a few people down here, so, um, and I had, I hadn't yet, uh, got my, uh, got my, uh, quad out of the garage and, and out of the valley. So, uh, there was probably a foot or two of water, um, that had, that had undercut the upstream section of the dike and had infiltrated into the community. Um, so I managed to get that out and I just took, took it up one level and parked it on the side of the road and then my daughter happened to come down and we thought, well, <clears throat> we couldn't go down the road anymore. I knew that because the, because of the, the amount of water that was, was flowing through there. And I think by this time, pretty much, pretty much all the neighbors were, were out of here. Um, we are probably, um, I think we are one of the, we're the only property down here with a basement. Um, because we're close to the, to the hill and I never anticipated it any kind of a problem. Um, so, uh, my daughter, Amy came down with me and we came down through the, through the trees on the back of the property, through my neighbor's yard into the property and thought we could go down into the uh, basement of the house and start to maybe try and salvage some stuff. You know, it's, you know, that's just the way your mind works. And, um, in hindsight, it seems, uh, wasn't funny at the time and it seems kind of humorous. Now you, with the amount of water that was coming through and the, the, the eventual damage that was done, the, uh, there we were because it was, um, Michael and Amy had, when they were teenagers, they, there was two bedrooms down there. They, they lived down there. That was their, that was where their rooms, there was a rumpus room down there. We had a lot of stuff stored in the basement, family heirloom stuff, mementos, photos, all kinds of stuff. And it seems like I said, <laughs> silly or semi-foolish looking back on it now, but there we were picking stuff off, picking up stuff off the floor and putting it on the bed, thinking that that would keep it from getting wet. <laughs> Little did I know there'd be six, six and a half feet of water in that basement before the event was over with. Pretty much what it did. 
But we heard this loud bang and we go to check it out, see what it is. And I realized that there's enough water in the basement now because it's up past our knees. Our boots are full of water. We're still trying to do stuff down there. And we had a chest freezer in the furnace room and it had floated. It was full of food, but there was enough water there that it floated. And the bang we heard was the lid flopping open. Hmm. So <laughs> again, you know, that's the way you're, just the way your mind works at the time. Thought, well, we'll take the freezer and we'll wedge it in the doorway on its side so the, it won't stay upright, but the, the lid won't flop open and the food in it's all wrapped and, you know, we'll be able to salvage that. And it was kind of at that point that Amy and I looked at each other and went, I think it's probably time we, we got out of here. And we came up stairs onto the deck and the deck's four feet off the ground. But there was probably three feet of water going through the entire property. It was probably three feet deep going across the back lawn. And we had to kind of hang on to each other and wade our way across the backyard. At least we, it's not like doing that blind in a river you don't know. We knew the backyard and we knew it's grass, it's safe, you know, and we're not going to fall in a hole. But the, the water flowing through here was... Um, fast, dirty, cold, strong, you know, and we hung on to each other and made our way across, across the backyard and from tree to tree until we could get up the slope and empty our boots out of water and trudge up the hill and then, you know, go to a, a lookout point and just look down and just see not only at the dike burst and where the river had been just on, you know, one side of the valley, it now had spread across the entire valley and my guess it would have been, in a, on average, three to four feet deep. Um, could you describe the effect that uh, this flood had on you? I don't. I don't feel there's a lot of lasting effects from it. I when it, of course, in the spring and late spring and early summer, when it starts to rain, we uh, we definitely keep an eye on things now. Um, have a different idea on on how to deal with it or how to prepare for it. You can't prepare for it, but you can prepare yourself um, with with a plan. You know, like, if this happens again, okay, what did we do wrong? And what what do we do differently? So there's that aspect of it. Um, it, makes you, it makes you nervous. Any major rain event and you start to watch the river rise, you know, you get, uh, you start to get um, a little concerned. And start to develop, okay, make sure we have this, this, what are, what's critical to us, you know, um, uh, whether it's photos or important paperwork. So could you describe uh, what effect the, that the flood had on the community? Well, um, I mean, it affected uh, a lot of people differently. Um, like I said, there was 10, 10 properties down here at the time. Um one, two, three of them lost their, stood and watched their house. You know, their one family watched their whole house and everything in it um, get washed away, destroyed. A um, couple of the properties were were uh, were um, destroyed after the fact because of um, underpinning and, and structural integrity was compromised to the point where it couldn't be salvaged. Um I made the community more aware. Um, the thing we found was that was interesting was because it was so widespread, the 
um, the response and being being on the periphery of it, although we were enormously affected personally, we were we were a small, you know, micro percentage of of the people that were were affected. When you think of High River and Turner Valley and um, all uh, Canmore, Exshaw, yeah, it was enormous. There was phenomenal flooding going on in Exshaw. They were isolated for three or four days because of road washouts and stuff. Um, so they had their own issues to deal with. So what I found was that the community came together um, fairly, fairly quickly. Um, within the within the fire service, we have a volunteer group out here, and the support was phenomenal for me personally, as well as for everybody within this, you know, within this area. We, the majority of people, you know, relied on family to, to help them out. And then how did this make you feel about climate change? Well, um, honestly, I'm not enough of an expert to say, but I mean, clim- the climate's changing. I've, I've been out here and anybody that um, has lived anywhere with open eyes can realize that things are changing. The only thing that people should have the discussion about is the why and wherefore, right? You just can't deny it. Like uh, the whole, and I, I, and I'm not sure. I think maybe that's a label that gets put on people by by another segment of the whole discussion. Um, denying denying that the climate's changing is is I think specious. Um, climate is changing but it's the causes of it. And if you look historically, um, there have been hot, I mean, how many ice ages were there, right? So the climate of, of the earth changes. And whether, what percentage or what, what's, to what, to what degree mankind has a responsibility in that can be debated ad nauseum. Um, now, people who have lived through climate disasters often have um, solutions to the problems that they face. Um, so, I mean, you kind of touched on a couple of them, but I'd just like to ask, um, what do you think could be done to help people like yourself, or what do you think should be done to, to kind of plan for these events going forward from here? What could, could anything have been done differently? Well, Transalta did build a much better engineered, wider base higher berm around here. Can they protect High River? You know, they're doing some mitigation, upstream mitigation projects in from Calgary that are still undergoing. If you drive down through to Bright Creek, you know, they're still working on that huge dry dam and all the rest of it. I drive down there. We went that way yesterday and I looked at it and went, I don't know what they're doing. I looked, they're moving a lot of dirt. Somebody's got a plan. Will it be effective? Um, I sincerely hope that We'll never have to find out whether it's effective or not. If there's, I mean, again, in emergency services and in life, there, there's an there's an axiom: um, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Which basically means like, if you don't look at all the all, all the possibilities and um, and develop some sort of a plan, um, then then you're doomed you're doomed for fa- to fail in whatever you do. What brings you hope for the future? 
I grew up in a time when uh, things were, you know, Vietnam War was on and things were uh, nuclear, you know, the, the worry about um, nuclear conflict between the U.S. and Russia and um, those days. And we all had, you know, as, as we grew up to be teenagers, we all thought we had the answers, young adults. I like to think the, the uh, future of the world, it's, I mean, it's always in the hands of the next generation and, and you know, in, in my case now, the generation of grandchildren to make a difference. Um, humanity's pretty resilient. You know, it's, if you, if you look back through history, I mean, civilizations rise and fall, um, but humanity continues to exist in one way, shape, or form. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. That was my interview with Tom McFadden, and I really appreciated his candid nature and perspective on the 2013 Calgary flood. Having the oversight and responsibility of a community on his shoulders while being intimately affected by the flood opened my eyes to the many layers of this disaster. The effects were wide-ranging, and we really hope this episode challenged you in your understanding of climate change. Thanks for listening to Weathering the Storm, stories of the climate crisis from Alberta and around the world. I'm Fatima Nye. And I'm Ryan McMillan. This series is powered by Shaw and part of the Community Podcast Initiative based out of, our, out of Mount Royal University. It was produced on the lands that are home to the Mississippi, Iyahi Nakoda, Tutsina, and Métis peoples. We recognize the stewards of these lands and we hope to contribute to a better understanding of our environment by sharing the stories of, the, of those affected by climate change. Special thanks to our partner, the Climate Disaster Project, and to Zainab Nye and Tom McFadden for joining us. You can learn more about the Climate Disaster Project at climatedisasterproject.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show to hear the latest weathering the storm and discover a new podcast from the Community Podcast Initiative at thepodcaststudio.ca.